Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Ben Bumhopper. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing pretty good, but, you know, come, come to think about it, we don't really do too much crime. I think we need to change that. We do. It was. It's really funny because I was going to call you my... Uh, my co mind flayer <laughs> the Baldur's as we're the since we're the day we're recording this uh, the Baldur's Gate three trailer and gameplay stuff uh, all dropped and that's very D and D related. It oh, definitely incredible! It's the same studio that did Divinity Original Sin two, one of my favorite games of this of this last year, and uh, it looks to be more of that and fully official D and D stuff with mind flayers and super creepy cutscenes, That I'm, I'm sounds awesome. I really need to check that trailer out. You do. It's, it's kind of gross and amazing <laughs> at the well, same time. That's really what matters. You know, as long as it's something that's going to get you in and, and just really, you know, mess with everything that you see and feel. I mean, that, that's the call of a really good game. Yep. I'm, I'm extremely excited. It's going to, it's based off of five E it's fully Wizards of the Coast backed. It's going to have all the official D and D stuff. Um, it's it's going to be good. It looks like oh, they very uh, cool. They converted it quite well, and that's going to go into early access a little later this year. Okay. Well, I know what I'm going to be looking forward to and probably playing the crap out of. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Very I've nice. got uh, Divinity Original Sin two just sitting on my desktop. I'm waiting till uh, Nevermore and I can play it together. And uh, oh, you guys got to do it. It's so good. Oh yeah. Now you you said before that it's on the Switch, which we both have Switches, so we should probably do that now. Yeah, and it's cross save compatible. That's even better from PC and Switch, so you can play on PC. And then when you're on the go, you can be like, let's, let's boot her up our game. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh, good stuff good good stuff there's good lots nice. of uh great D media content mm-hmm. that appears to be coming in the next uh next few years uh, what else the the uh explorer's guide to wild mount is also coming mm-hmm. quite soon just a few weeks very now. soon i've got mine pre-ordered i'm excited for it um i actually have the Taldore uh Taldore can the campaign book I picked that up. That's not on D and D Beyond. It's not official, but the fact that you know the second half of the world that Matt Mercer's created is becoming official and everything is uh, pretty exciting. And it it adds such a unique and and different look at some of your you know classic tropes and stuff. So like once that comes out, we'll definitely be talking about that. I'm I'm really looking forward. Oh, to for it. sure. I would I would love to run a campaign in that world, especially now that the Taldori side and the Wildmount side. Is coming out. I think that would be a, a really fun world to run a campaign in. Exactly, especially that takes place after the the huge adventures that Critical Role has gone through. I mean, there's some stuff that happened that really changed that world, and I'm I'm pretty excited to you know see everything that uh, that's been hinted at so far, but uh, they haven't come across in in the actual uh, you know playthrough. Yeah, agreed. Um, and speaking of Taldori, Wildmount. Uh, kind of going off those, we are actually, uh, our first topic today is going to be the planes of existence. Yes. And using them in your game. And uh, though 
wild mount is uh a, another version of the material plane. And we'll mm-hmm. kind of talk through all this a little bit. Um, it's, it's very relevant in this way. So the D- D&D, uh, for those that are new or for those of you that don't know the concept, D&D is made up, uh, the world or the universe is made up of planes. And these are basically just different uh, worlds of existence, essentially. Mm-hmm. You have the material plane, which is basically like earth. This is, this is where uh, most everything takes place. Uh, and for the most part, uh, this is where most homebrew games take place. Or most at least homebrew- start. Yeah, or at least start. Uh, most people will make a homebrew or custom version of the material plane. Now, some people will go and make homebrew versions of uh, extra planes and all these places you can travel. Uh, but uh, like me personally, it's, it's a lot of work just to make a custom material <laughs> plane. And so I actually uh, adopt all the extra planer stuff from the D and D lore. So you have things like the nine hells, the abyss, mm-hmm. uh, the Feywild, wild um, and just, and the elemental planes uh, and everything, and there's there's really cool pictures and maps you can you can look at. But basically, uh, when we talk about planar existence, planar travel, we're talking about anything that is not the material plane, which again is normally where your game starts or that custom world that you're making. Exactly. And one of the neat things about uh, the material plane itself, uh, first of all, in the the uh, DM book. Uh, all the planar stuff is actually very early in the book starts on page 43 with chapter two, just to kind of give you an idea of just how much variety there is that you can play around in. Um, But the material plane itself is really neat because uh, like Ryan, you were saying, this is where a lot of homebrew, you know, games kind of start. Like I know my world, it exists on the material plane or one of the, 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 I don't know, multiverse areas in the material plane. Um, just Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons themselves have their own official like material planes, you know, like uh, the Forgotten Realms. I know that. Uh, well, Wild Mountain, that whole area is now an official world for Dungeons and Dragons. The Sword Coast, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Which I think is part of Forgotten Realms. I think you're right. I think that's just a portion of Forgotten yeah. Realms. Yeah, but um, yeah, like, they've got their. They, like you, you said, they've got several mm-hmm. different ones. Exactly. And uh, the neat thing about that is that you can take bits and pieces of all these different things and just combine it all into your own world if you're homebrewing. That way you don't have to create something all on your own, which, I mean, some people do. I, I do, and, but I still steal where I can because why not? Um, another neat thing about this is, is that you can take you know, things that you know, like uh, Dark Elves pull them into your campaign or whatever, however you want to do it. They can be entirely different. They can not be drow. They could be, you know, a, a, a race that, that lives actually in the sun and thrives on it for some reason. You know, you can take any sort of these fantastic, uh, you know, fantasy elements, pull them from any of these things, shape it and turn it around and play with it however you want. And this is one of the great things about homebrewing stuff is that your material plane is what you make of it. Yep, very much so. The um, and it's 
a lot of this can really be daunting at, mm-hmm. at first glance uh, when you talk about, oh my gosh, Ryan, Ben, what are you, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> I, have, I have enough trouble trying to keep everything straight in my, my regular world. What am I, what, <laughs> you're talking about like planes and stuff. And it, it is something that you can legitimately totally ignore. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't have to use it at all. Um, however, uh, for, from a story element perspective, if you're going to bring in uh, devils, demons, fey creatures, mm-hmm. astral creatures, uh, elemental type, um, type beings, uh, potentially good or evil gods and goddesses, then, and not only that, if you have a class in your party that eventually mm-hmm. gets the plane shift spell, it's something that you're going to have to keep in mind or something that you may get asked about. That's yeah, I mean, a cleric with banish alone is, I mean, granted, your group isn't traveling to a different plane with banish unless... I don't know. The cleric gets really mad at one of their party members, but it's, uh, you know, it's something that's that opens up that door to okay, where did they go? What's going on? You know, what is this this idea of a multiverse or of different planes of existence and everything? And to me, I think that it actually adds a lot more, you know, to your story, or you know, at least opens up the possibilities of a lot more as well. Uh, I love the idea of like the Feywild, which is, you know, depending on which source you go with is either, um, you know, a, a copy of the world, but nature's just in charge. There's versions where it's, you know, just full of, of, of tricksters and, you know, some, you know, really beautiful beings, but have a, a huge, weird, twisted sense of logic or, or right and wrong. And, and it, it adds just this tiny little element to like, if you have elves in your party, it might mean something very different to them. You know, it, um, I have a, a, a player who plays a fawn who comes from the Feywild in my party and she's done some really kind of weird things, but it fits with being a fey creature from the, the extra plane of, of the Feywild. On top of that, it adds a lot more, you know, uh, I guess dynamic character building for NPCs that you create, you know, again, if you have a big bad evil guy, maybe it's just someone from the Feywild who doesn't like what they see in your material plane and they want to, you know, just destroy the world and turn it into another Feywild kind of plane of existence or something. I mean, that's just one plane out of so many for, you know, storytelling possibilities, um, just places that, you know, your characters might be able to visit and just, I mean, heck, you can make up your own planes if you want, because again, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> that's, that's the answer to everything. Pretty much. <laughs> just, just remember Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not going to be going into specifics today about the individual planes. This is something that over time we will actually cover the specific D and D extra planar mm-hmm. places. Um, but we just kind of wanted to give a little bit of an overview of what they were um, and maybe some, especially from a DM perspective, some tips and tricks 
for dealing with extra planar play. So one of the uh, best things you can do as a DM, because uh, like we were saying, once you add in entirely new planes of existence, it becomes harder on you. That's, that's mm-hmm. just going to be that. Uh, there's, there's research you need to do. There's creatures that are specific to each of the planes of existence that you may want to bring in at the same time. So it can really help um, if you know you have something coming up to familiarize yourself with, with what that is. Um, one of the things I have done, and it's, it's kind of a way you can have, uh, let your players, especially even in early levels, experience planar type play without going too far off the rails, so to speak. So one of the encounters that I ran for my party, I think it was, Maybe it was only level three or four. It was a fairly early level. Mm-hmm. They were traveling down the road. They noticed all this uh, very strange growth that in a in a wide pattern to the side of the road that went, arced off into to one side of the forest. It was like these um, like almost overly saturated colors. These these different. Um, looking plants, the, the trees and the grass and the flowers were morphing into these very odd, beautiful, uh, otherworldly type foliage and vegetation. And mm-hmm. as they followed it in and had some encounters with creatures that were not natural to the forest, they found a portal to the Feywild. And it turned out, from a DM perspective, it was a one-way portal. It was only oh. like stuff out it didn't let stuff in Mm -hmm. um this mage had been trying to the the whole story was this mage had been trying to summon it uh he got halfway through completing this portal something came out and killed him never finished it but unfortunately the portal was left open one way so this these things were coming out couldn't get back in and the feywild itself as a plane was leaking through this portal and kind of uh, disrupting and changing the terrain to a proximity around it. So I was able to kind of uh, give them a taste of extra planar play without all of a sudden them going through a portal and now they're (laughs) in a completely (laughs) different plane of existence and I got to go, oh crap, how are we getting back? How do we get back? <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm not prepared. So that doing things like that can be really interesting mm-hmm. because it gives your players uh, a fun, different setting in some ways. It kind of shows them that there's far more to the world than, uh, than their characters can even know or comprehend, uh, far more than just this prime material plane. And uh, it can give you a chance to use some very interesting uh, monsters and minions and such that might feel out of place uh, if you use them, you know, in a, in a different setting. So you can do, you can do cool stuff like that. Exactly. And, you know, coming up with some sort of way that, you know, the, the planes are kind of crossing over or the barrier between them is like weekends during a certain time or something, you know, use, uh, you know, natural phenomena like a, an eclipse or like say a solstice or something along those lines. Um, if you have a druid in your party, even better, you know, to have them stumble upon a druidic circle or something and something activates or whatever. And they, I mean, that's just like the Feywild if you want. Um, you can always do something along the lines of, you know, like the, 
a high up on a mountaintop or something. There's just, you know, some portal or something that was built. It's just an opening to the, the plane of air, you know, just to have it be really windy and, and you know, a lot of snow coming in or something along those lines. And just having like these, these little pinpricks of, of the world, again, give you that, that extra bit of uh, push into something a little bit more creative than, okay, well, we're just fighting some more wolves in a forest. You know, maybe they're fairy wolves now, which I just made up fairy wolves. I don't think that's a thing, but I they bet got there is wings. somewhere. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're kind of sparkly. And they're super colorful. And mm-hmm. uh, when they bite you, they, you know, you can turn into a were fairy wolf. Fair wolf, very wary wolf. Okay, we're we're scrapping that idea uh, until we workshop the name a little better. <laughs> it's, I mean, at lower levels, like Ryan was saying, it it gives you a little bit more just to play with. Now, the thing you need to pay attention to is, uh, especially when you have casters, um, when they start leveling up, really pay attention to the spells that they either have access to, whether it's you know, a druid or a cleric, although I don't think the clerics really do much plane jumping, but I know druids definitely can. They can get plane shift. Um, like as soon as they have access to this, technically they can cast it whenever they want. So be mindful. <laughs> but yeah. um, I, I mean, you can, uh, you can put restrictions on this yeah. as a DM as well. Because um, I, I believe technically from, for a, as a material component to that spell specifically. You need a tuning fork, I think. I believe you need some sort of tuning mechanism Mm -hmm. that allows you to sync essentially with the plane that you're wanting to travel to. So in, in a lot of ways you can kind of control the flow a little bit by allowing them to research or find specific things and those specific things they find then you can have a leg up on that and have already done some research. Uh, so one of the things you can do, uh, like Ben said, especially if you have someone that can cast that or what is wanting to plane travel, first off, you can give them, it can even be a whole, a whole arc or a whole quest to, to go find something to get you to mm-hmm. a specific plane. And then, um, or, or multiple planes. And then the best thing to do as a DM, research those planes a little bit, kind of figure out uh, what the, the general vibe is. And then what I would normally do is I would put together a rough encounter or two. Um, you can just throw them in a notebook, you can throw them in the encounter maker on D&D Beyond. Um, whatever you need to do, just... Uh, make an encounter or two. So that way, if something happens or they end up doing something you're not expecting, uh, then you have some kind of encounter ready to go. Those types of things usually are great filler for um, taking time up uh, and getting them acclimated, getting them mm-hmm. used to the, the place. Um, and they're good at, from a DM perspective, taking time up and giving you time to either think about what your next move is going to be or a great bookend to, to a session where then you can be far more prepared for the next one. Exactly. And one of the big things too, to think about is that if they do end up plane shifting somewhere else, 
remember it is an entirely different place from where they are and what they're used to. Um, you know, if they go to the plane of fire, guess what? It's really freaking hot there. You know, you're going to have to start uh, kind of figuring, okay, well, you know, were they wearing like really heavy clothes? Were they from a, a colder climate or something? Well, that's going to affect how they're feeling, how they travel, constitution saves all around for everybody. Um, if they randomly go to the plane of water and they can't breathe underwater, well, that might be a TBK, you know, kind of have to think of things like that. I, I don't recommend that unless you're really mad at your party and just want to, you know, like table flip end the game or something. Um, but, you know, try to make these places as varied as possible just because it is an alien world to wherever they're going. Um, you know, even if you want to go like from one material plane to another, make it entirely different. The, the you know, any sort of inhabitants, their clothes are, you know, wildly different than what your people are wearing, you know, make them out of place, make them strangers in this land, you know, like, I don't know how many times, um, you know, you've run with, uh, like, say, uh, a tiefling in your group. Well, if they're really rare, the crowds are going to kind of react differently to them or something. Imagine being an entire group of people from an entire different plane. How are the denizens going to react? What's going on? How are they feeling about being in that plane? And, you know, do what you can to just kind of, you know, paint the picture of this new environment, which... I mean, that's what your job is anyway as a DM. So have fun with it. And again, make it as creative as you want because this is your version of whatever that plane is. Yep. Totally agree. This is, it's, it's your world. Um, you can make it however you need to fit it to your party. Have fun with it. That's, exactly. That's the biggest thing is have fun with it. And like I said, uh, in the coming weeks and months, we will um, every once in a while take a specific D&D plane. We'll kind of go in-depth on it, hopefully give you some ideas at mm -hmm. some point, kind of ex explain uh, a little bit about it. And uh, kind of like we do with Feywild, um, the, the astral plane is really interesting. The Abyss, the, the Nine Hells, uh, which has gotten mm -hmm. a lot of... Uh, spotlight recently with the descent into Avernus exactly adventure. So I'm looking forward to visiting Mount Celestia. Yeah. It's a cool place. Seems nice. Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully <laughs> it really so depends on member of your party with a cursed bow. <laughs> you know, I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's another thing too. That's, that's kind of, you know, like a really weird and out there. Some of these planes are actually like totally set up with a certain alignment. Mount Celestia being one of them. It's lawful good. If you're not lawful good and you show up there, things might happen. Yep. It'd be really interesting. It, it, planes can be, can really lead to a lot of good story hooks. And if you are kind of stalled or you ha you're kind of wondering what to do for your campaign, they can really shake your campaign up. Exactly. So definitely give those a look. And like Ben said, check the Dungeon Master's Guide. There's a lot of information just in there. Page 43. Accessible. <laughs> exactly. I mean, 43 through, gosh, I am. 43 through several. Through. Yeah, I'm at page 64 so far, and it's still going. 
honestly, take a look at your Dungeon Master's Guide. There's so like, much in there. I feel like I feel like people don't realize how much stuff is in there, or they come and they're like they homebrew something, and then you go look at your Dungeon Master's Guide, and you're like, oh, it's right there. It's right there, <laughs> and it's way better than I came up with. <sighs> yeah, it's it is an incredible resource. And it, it's, it's big. It takes a while to read cover to cover. But if you have time to do it in chunks, mm-hmm. it's very much worth it. There's a lot of very useful information in that. Exactly. All right. Moving on. Uh, we are going to talk all about dwarves. What? Yeah. We've, we've kind of covered humans. We've covered elves. And now it is time for... Uh, for dwarves and uh dwarves are really really interesting they uh they're short i think i think the official um i think the official sizing is like four foot three to four foot nine ish on average <laughs> uh but can weigh anywhere from like 160 to 220 or more pounds short and stout oh yeah uh, they're they're very known for uh their their drinking their their mining their love of of gold and gems and this is and as we we go through these like official descriptions and stuff remember your dwarf can be whatever you want yes very maybe, very true maybe your dwarf hates hates alcohol and is just a milk drinker you know Could be. and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that uh Dwarves uh, are known for their big old beards, both male and female. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they live, they're, they're one of the longer lived races, not like super long, but they have average lifespans of like 350 years. So in a lot of ways, they uh, are a little more, I guess, <sighs> contemplative. Yeah, that's a good yeah good word usage. Yeah, in a way, uh, because they don't have like unlike humans, they don't have that. Uh, you're we're here. We got to do a bunch of stuff in the first sixty or seventy years, and then you know retire. They've they've got more time, and so playing a dwarf uh, is is very interesting because it's a different. It's the same thing as an elf, just lesser, um, less exaggerated. It's more a different mindset of what would this character I have do when they, when a hundred years is only like a third of their life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's one of the neat things about dwarves too, is that um, they're kind of natural crafters. A lot of like stonework, um, blacksmithing, things like that. That's, you know, it, kind of in general the if you're looking at at just tendencies for dwarves at at least in you know fantasy descriptions and stuff they're leaning towards that and a lot of that comes with their age as well because you know as you you level up as you kind of well as you age you know you gain a lot more experience and in different like you know masonry work or blacksmithing and everything like that and they can become some of the finest craftsmen in you know all the realm because of the experience that they have and how much they really pour themselves into that, their work. 
You know, a, a dwarf feels very proud of the things that they accomplish. It's, it's kind of goes, you know, hand in hand with, uh, you know, their height. It's kind of what they do. Um, one of the neat things about that is, is that, you know, just if you're making a character right away, you get a tool proficiency hands down. Now we haven't really talked a whole lot about, you know, different tool proficiencies with races or classes or anything, but in some of these things, it, it works really well, especially with a dwarf because Smith's tools just flat out uh, Mason tools, you know, kind of mentioned both of those. Uh, and of course the last one, which I think is the fun one is the brewer supplies. Heck no yeah. one says it has to be beer. It could always be tea. That's right. That's right. You might have the best team making dwarf in the realm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but on top of that too, you get uh, uh, stone cunning. You can, you know, understand what's going on, how things are working. You can identify, uh, you know, different work and everything like that. It's on top of your normal proficiency bonus and uh, just, you know, little things like that because a lot of the times dwarves have lived underground in the mountains, just, stone and dwarves just kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of go back a little bit to what you're talking about with the, the tool proficiency. And Mm -hmm. so I think that in a lot of games, and this is, this is from a DM perspective, uh, the DM sometimes ignores or forgets about these extra proficiencies there's a lot of extra proficiencies you can get uh with tools with gaming like dragon chess or dice or cards or whatever um that you can have and a lot of time as dms we either ignore or forget these things that are special to the character or that the character has this extra skill in so in a lot of ways, it is up to us to look at our characters' sheets and see the types of skills that they are proficient in or that they want to do and make sure that we, as the, as the kind of story moderators, mm-hmm. work those things into the story so that they can be useful and the players can feel useful doing them. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's just something that you get to pick when you're creating a character. But being able to do a call out to any of those little tiny things really helps. Uh, you know, if there's a dwarf in the party and they're in some sort of underground cavern, they might be able to tell that it's been worked. And that could clue them into, oh, hey, maybe there's some goblins up ahead. You know, do you hear something? You know, uh, they'd be able to identify something along those lines. Or, you know, be able to know that, hey, this is actually really rich with mithril. Um, we should buy this land and, you know, set up a mining operation or, you know, something along those lines. Just very simple. Yeah. And if you're, if you're looking to, to start a dwarf character, uh, we kind of gave you a few of the, the, the normal average <laughs> description type things of them. But there is so many sources you can go to either in classic media or classic literature I mean, some of the uh, most probably known popular dwarf depictions are based off of Tolkien's Mm -hmm. stuff, Uh, Lord of the Rings. There's, uh, you got, you mean, you got Gimli, like that. So, so many people, when they, when you say dwarf, that is their first kind of impression of a dwarf. And so 
it's it's not a bad idea at all to to look to popular media to books movies etc to and see some of these these famous fantasy dwarves and uh model a character after that exactly and uh that being said one of the things that uh, you really need to remember is that uh not every dwarf actually has a scottish accent you don't need to do that what like I will, no. and it'll be horrible every single time I do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you don't need to have that in there. It's just, you know, it's flavor. It's something fun to do. But yeah, y- you don't have to. It's perfectly fine to just, you know, speak normally if you want to. Honestly, I don't recommend it, though. I wonder, I wonder where that started. I don't know. I wonder if that was kind of a Tolkien thing. Maybe. I mean, you know, depending on how he wrote Gimli. Could I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those. It's always been like that. So it just sounds like <laughs> it could be. But, but yeah, the, you may you may have a dwarf that comes from a completely different area with a completely different dialect. Um, the the whole rough and tumble Scottish Irish type accent that the the dwarves are depicted in movies and stuff it's it is super fun it's a it's a super fun uh accent and a super fun like way to picture them in your in your mind's eye but it is by far not the only thing you can do and that's that's like we we've been kind of talking about that as we've we've gone through the the races so far um it's not to check with your DM, you know, see, is there uh forest dwarves? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, sure. Maybe Why not? In the forest. Uh, I mean, technically uh, there's Arctic dwarves. <laughs> yeah. As well from, from the North. I mean, uh, you would think that they would actually do really well in, in the Arctic climate just because they're stout and, and built, you know, yeah. tough. Yeah. There's then if you want to, I mean, just to tie it into the planar stuff, uh, you got Duragar, mm-hmm. which are these uh, dwarves that are kind of slaves to the Illithids, the Mind Flayers, that could make for for very interesting backstories uh, or very interesting playable type characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go with just a player's handbook, you've got you know two flavors to go with. You have the the hill dwarf and the mountain dwarf. And, uh, you know, based on whichever one you go with, you get, you know, a little bit uh, of differences here and there and everything. But um, one of the great things is, is that dwarves do get uh, dark vision. I, it's always really hard for me to choose a character or a race that doesn't have dark vision just because I always want to be able to see at night or, you know, in the darkness or whatever. But so you got a dwarf for that. Um, but one thing that's great about them too is that uh, they, when we're talking stout and, and like kind of brr, gruff um they're great against poison you know they have resistance to poison damage they get uh uh, advantage on saving throws against poison so that works out really well um speed wise not really the fastest but you know that's cool it's perfectly fine but uh legs yeah exactly it's just just (laughs) a little harder to get around yeah they are natural sprinters though according to lord of the rings um but, you know, I do have to say that... But you should never toss one. No, no, definitely not. Or at least don't tell the rest of the party about it if you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but we, I got we actually had that situation. Come oh, up serious? In a fight, there was some NPC dwarves, and one of our characters was just like, "I'm gonna toss him to get him out of the way." And I was just like, and he runs up, he tries to grab the dwarf, and the dwarf is just like, "No, don't you dare toss me!" And so I had him actually roll like the strength uh, strength check to see if he could actually get him to toss him out of the way of danger. Oh, that's fantastic! It was it was a very fun moment. Yeah. So um, in in the D and D campaign that I play in, that is on a hiatus because we switched to Star Wars. Um, I was a dwarven cleric, and I had a ton of fun going through that. Um, there were a lot of instances where sometimes I did have to remind the DM that I'm shorter than everybody else. <laughs> so that made it kind of fun. Um, and not that I really intended to, but I ended up kind of being the comedy relief a lot of the time just because uh, I got myself into really bad situations because you know I'm a loud, boisterous dwarf. So guess what? I'm going to be loud and boisterous whenever I need to be. <laughs> Oh, that's a fun personality. <laughs> it's great to play sometimes to the to the the detriment of the party. Exactly. But I mean the thing is is like I, I was a cleric in a group that like never really needed healing. So I'd always just get in the fray with everything. Except I mean I would roll like crap all the time and and I don't have the best uh saving throws. So like we were fighting alligators. One of them drug me into a swamp <laughs> and I'm just like like <laughs> you know, holding my breath, trying not to die while the rest of the party's like taking care of all these other alligators and stuff. I mean, you know, I just, oh, it's fun. I had a blast. You know, I don't know how many times where we were talking as we were going through that specific swamp. It's like, hey, everybody's making, you know, having a grand old time getting through, except for Targaryen, you're pretty much up to your neck. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, that's- you, you got... Yeah, the difficult terrain for you, definitely. You know. Yeah, like you said, that's that can be kind of a an interesting uh, character thing, especially if you as a DM remember that sometimes there's advantages and disadvantages to playing a shorter mm-hmm. character. Oh yeah, so maybe something that would have uh, some trap that would have hit a normal person doesn't hit a dwarf. Yeah. They're too short. Uh, maybe some terrain that might not be difficult for other other party members might be difficult for for your dwarf player, and so there's there's a lot of really interesting like interplay that you can do in there as a as a DM uh, that can really give more flavor to the race that your your player picked. Exactly, and I mean, if you do decide to go with a dwarf, just look at the the different types that there are and everything, and you know, find out what really fits for you. Because I mean, some people might be, you know, really want to be a mountain dwarf, and guess what? Uh, for some reason, you have more strength than a hill dwarf. A hill dwarf has a higher wisdom. You know, it all kind of comes down to just the, those little tiny things. But even more so, go with what calls to you. Even if it's a Duragar, you just made your way out of the Underdark for some reason. That's right. You are escaping slavery, and you are you are coming coming to the surface, and you have no idea, and people fear you. Mm-hmm. But you are out to prove that you are worthy of being free. Yes, mm. be the uh, Duragar named D- Dwarst, and. Uh, I don't know, I was trying to go with Driss there and it just didn't work in a dwarf way and <laughs> didn't work. Never mind. Forget that. Move forward. Move forward. Fantasy name generator. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, just just really quick, I got to tell you the time I met uh, John Reese Davies at uh, Phoenix Comic Con. Oh my gosh, it was Jealous. absolutely amazing. Uh, we were, you know, a friend of mine said, "Oh yeah, my my wife really likes elves, but I'm a big dwarf fan," and he just immediately jumped right into that Gimli voice, and oh, it was fantastic. Oh, what a great guy. Yeah. yeah, this is this whole conversation is making me really want to do a Lord of the Rings we rewatch. I know I kind of in the same boat. <sighs> yeah, that's like fantasy, fantasy at its peak mm-hmm. for sure. And those those are good movies. Exactly, and I mean Gimli is such like he's my favorite character. The entire trilogy, I just love him throughout the whole thing. So yeah. great. He's he's super great. But yeah, dwarves. Dwarves are really cool, guys. Um, it's it is uh, probably a little bit of a less picked race than uh, elves and humans, but it offers a lot of really fun role play opportunities. Uh, there's some fun. Uh, there's a there's a lot of tropes, but they can actually be a lot of fun uh, if embraced. There's there's some that are really really quite good, or you can take it in a completely different direction, and regardless make it your own that's the the best thing you can do with any character yeah um did you read any of the 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 forgotten realms books by aria salvatore the the dress series at all i've read a little bit of the dress books. did you ever get to a dwarf named uh thibbledorf Puent? i did not oh my gosh she slight spoilers for anybody who's reading he's a dwarf i forget exactly what they call him but he is like I mean, he wears this armor that's all spikes and blades and everything. Like, that's all it is. He doesn't have a weapon because he's the weapon. He basically just runs in and shakes around a whole bunch and just slices the crap out of everything. That sounds super BA. Yeah, it's he's a great character. He's not the brightest at all, but he's really fun to read. So just want to throw that out there. I've heard good things about the series just as a whole. Oh yeah, I've I, gosh, I got in really into fantasy or D and D. There's a lot of them. There's a whole lot. I probably got a good twenty books in before I kind of just fell off of it. Oh, only twenty books in. Yeah, about. And ben, you know. where's your stamina? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Well, if you've got any good planar stories, dwarf stories, dwarf character concepts, let us know. We'll make sure to let you know where you can contact us at the end of the show. Uh, but before we kind of jump into our ending, we wanted to give a little community content shout out. And uh, this one is a big one because I actually, it's a Kickstarter. I actually backed the uh, first one they did. And it is basically the big book of battle maps this one in particular is called Towns and Taverns. And so this is actually a really, really cool concept. So basically you get these like these two large like 24 by 24 type books. And they have all sorts of scene, different scenes on them. This one in, in particular has city, town, tavern, docks, underground type, type scenes. And you can put these books together in kind of any way they're, they're kind of made so you can mishmash them mm-hmm. together and make this big map. And the books are like wet and dry erase. So you can, you know, s- scribble on them if you need to. And they're, they lay flat 
So they're basically just like instant, more immersive battle type maps that you can just open a book, throw it down, boom, you're there. Super, super cool. Yeah, from what I can see on it and everything, it is something that I really need to invest in. There's some awesome stuff in here, whether it's, you know, along the docks and everything or just, uh, you know, rooms. Like, I can't tell you how much just having an indoor. I need a generic room. Yeah, exactly. Fighting in a generic room. Or like just a random tavern or something like that. You know, it's like all of a sudden, oh, okay, um, you're in a tavern and now there's a fight in there because... The, the dwarf in my party likes to brawl when he gets drunk, you know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, cool. You got a tavern set up. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's neat stuff. I, I really recommend taking a peek at it. Uh, we'll have the link in the, or on the, uh, the, the web website. Yeah. That thing. Yeah. What are those? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you saw me like doing my hand motion of like, what's the word the I'm internet. trying to think of <laughs> <laughs> the website, the show notes, what, whatever it is. Uh, definitely go check it out. It's already uh, been funded. So they're just working towards stretch goals now. Mm-hmm. And that just means more and more maps that they'll oh, yeah. put in the book. And that so little book is actually really cool. Out. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it's not bridge or it's this. It, it's, it, Oh man. There's, yep. there's some really cool stuff in here. I'm going to have to back this basically as soon as we're done because i actually received the first set from the the first kickstarter they did uh a month or so ago and i used it in a big fight uh session where all my party members fought the the several different golems that were going crazy um and i used that as the actual battle map and they oh they very really cool to like it in front of it so definitely check that out um before we go ben Yes. What have you been doing in your games lately? Wow, boy, do I have so little to talk about. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Um, so uh, aside from plus five to hit, I haven't really had time to do much. Um, but the very good news is that the game that I'm DMing is finally coming back together this Saturday. Uh, we're going to be getting together, picking up after like a almost three month hiatus because of, you know, the holidays and busy work schedules and everything like that. So we're jumping back into a town besieged by a whole bunch of orcs. So we're going to see what the players come up with because I've got, I think they're going to try and talk their way out of it. Well, see, that's the thing is, is I, I have a thing set up on why the orcs are attacking now, which they don't know that they don't know any of this yet. Um, because basically we ended the last session with, all right, you go into town, you fought some works, then the leader of like the resistance has found you and now you're going to the base. Um, there's, like I said, I've got a couple different ways out of it that I've kind of thought up. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, I've, I've got contingency plans, but again, who knows? And I'm super excited about that. And on top of that, once that's kind of resolved or figured whichever way they're going, they're moving into something else that I am super excited about. And I, Ryan, you know a little bit about it. Yep. I cannot wait until we get into that. Which, I can't wait to, to hear stories from that. Exactly. Like one of the options is going straight into that, depending on what they do with the, you know, whatever the information I present them with, but we'll see what happens. Um, on a side note and also a sad note, uh, it appears for the time being, the Star Wars game I was in 
or was there you go i told you right away um (laughs) we are on it's all so sad tonight yeah it's an indefinite hiatus um we don't know if we're going to be playing again or when or anything like that um so hopefully because i was really enjoying it but you know we'll see what happens in the future oh it's always it's always rough when games are put on hold yeah, and, and you know, it's nobody's fault or anything like that. It's just one of those things where some people weren't fully feeling it. Um, you know, it's one of those moments where communication with everybody could help. But uh, we'll see what happens. So no, I really want to play. I, I love playing at, our, at Astromech Droid. It's good. <laughs> Excuse me. It's a, it's a little weird to do, but I really enjoy it, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I hope you are able to to work something out because yeah, me too. That that does sound like a lot of fun. Um, so for me, uh, I've played once. Um, unfortunately, my my player game that I my in person player game hasn't gotten to meet yet. We're not meeting until March thirteenth. So okay. that was. I'm sadly a, a long in between, but I did have my game that I DM uh, a week and a half or so back now. Okay. And uh, it was really interesting talking about being prepared and being derailed. That's, that's <laughs> just my party constantly. Uh, but it, it ended up being really fun. So I got to, I, I kind of talked about how, um, the city got was under siege. They they fought all the different types of golems. They ended mm-hmm. up back in this house. There's a lot of really good character development, and then the barbarian left a few hours before the rest of the party did. Oh, so I actually had a Skype call with him um, Thursday night before we played uh, on Friday night, mm-hmm. and I did a little thirty minute one on one session with him, and we did a big skill check for him to get through this district under attack to get oh. to the temple because uh as a as a player he's his character is seeking to become a paladin so to in in game speak essentially multi-class to a paladin mm-hmm. next level um and so i was like okay that's great uh we can we can work this in so he basically did this skill check across the city to make it to the temple of cord to talk to one of the arbiters who was there um, and along the way did, did the skill challenge stuff. He really seemed to like that. And so we, we, we broke off of that after he got to the temple and had a little conversation and then we didn't tell the rest of the party what happened to him at all. <laughs> so they arrived the next day. They don't know what happened to him. Okay. Um, and we were just joking is just like, well, I'm, didn't have time to paint me another figure, did you, Ryan? And it, it was really like he, he had died <laughs> on the way or something. So then I did a bigger version of that skill challenge, that same type of skill challenge for the rest of the party. And so they spent a, a good part of the session working their way through, trying to come up with creative options to to get uh, better, you know, modifiers for their their skill check role and it was it ended up being a lot of fun and they they made it over and they rejoined with with zerg and who was our our barbarian and um it basically came down to i had enough content they were they're going to go into the mountain figure out why why all these giants are coming through the city and how um 
and one of my NPCs was just like, there, there's these two giant fire giants guarding this big arch gateway that leads down into the, the great forge and this huge mountain. That's very cool. Built, built into. And the NPC, and I, I, I asked several people afterwards if I made it clear. The NPC was just like, don't worry, I'll distract them so you can get through. Okay. And so she casts slow on these giants. And our barbarian character said, all right, let's, let's kill them. <laughs> and so <laughs> everyone else was just like, you realize that we planned to just try and run by them, sneak by them while they're being distracted. And he's like, I don't think I realized that either in character or out of character, (laughs) but in character, my guy thinks we're attacking them. So I was like, well, time to find some fire counter. (laughs) Thankfully I had some fire giants printed out. So I grabbed, (laughs) I grabbed my board and I drew a few (laughs) things and I placed two fire giant models, models on the board. And I was just like, let's do this. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, they beat them. Uh, they they took some some hefty things, and there's actually a lot of really for for a very impromptu fight. It actually ended up being really cool, and there ended up being a lot of really cool character moments uh, in cool. it. From the barbarian getting a finishing blow finally, and me narrating some some radiant energy coming off his his weapon as. He is ple- he pledged himself to cord the temple, even though he's not a paladin yet. So I'm starting to work that in a mm-hmm. little bit. And um our our monk fighter hybrid going down, but our barbarian using ancestral spirit and him using stones endurance at the same time and barely surviving, getting back up, getting healed, and is a lot of a lot of really fun character moments. So we didn't get as far as I thought we would, but it still ended up being a, a really fun, really enjoyable session. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens next as they they head down into the the abandoned mine in the mountain where everything seems to be coming from. That's very cool. Should be should be fun. Looking forward to hearing what's going on. I've got uh, some physical props that I'm planning on making. Cool. For this next session um and we're because we're gonna we're kind of gonna shift into this like little mini dungeon mm-hmm. type thing that's you know there's actual rooms and all sorts of stuff like that so puzzles traps um it should be it should be hopefully fingers crossed a, a really interesting uh experience for them because we haven't done a ton of that type of stuff because a lot of it has been overworld or mm-hmm. urban type stuff so it is, it'll just be a different style of game. So hopefully they'll, they'll enjoy that. Yeah. My biggest regret is that I have to play over Discord because otherwise I would love to be able to throw out, you know, like like puzzles for them to actually touch and have, be tactile and everything. And, uh, you know, like I love those, uh, those potion bottles that have, you know, the, just the dice inside them that you can mm-hmm. hand out and stuff. And like, I, I would love to do more stuff like that, but at the same time, I love my group so much that 
I don't want to, you know, like be all like, okay, well, we're not playing anymore. Just kidding. People who are here, you know, like I wouldn't do that yeah, because yeah. I love my group and like their dynamic and everything that they do together is just so great. So yeah, I just, you know, maybe sometime at BlizzCon or something like that, we can get together and just actually play a session or something, you know, just, just in person. It'd be fun. But um, in, in person is always preferable, mm-hmm. but you can still have a great group and a lot oh, of, yeah. even if it's online. Only. Oh yeah. We, I mean, I'm not knocking our experience at all. We definitely have a ton of fun. You know, it's just as goofy and zany and, you know, derail-y as every other game that's out there. But um, yeah, just in person would be really cool. Just once. Yeah, that's, I've heard really, really cool stories of groups that have played online and met for the first time in person at some convention or Mm -hmm. uh, for some like big campaign arc or like the ending of a campaign. I I read about one group that uh, they... It was just, they were from all over and one of the people flew in from Europe. Oh, and wow. It was like, it was like this big, uh, long weekend thing and they just played all weekend and had this big, uh, arc. They ended the campaign in person with everyone there. That's cool. Super, super cool stuff like that. So, um, it's, it can, it can happen. It can happen whether you're online or in person. It's, well, heck, if, so if many we get to 20, if we get to 20, we'll have to look into that. <laughs> yeah, that would be super, super cool. All right. Well, I think that is about our show for uh, this evening. But Ben, mm-hmm. before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us? All right. Well, uh, first and foremost, make sure to check out dndiscussions.com if you're trying to find any episode that we've ever done. Cause guess what? There's a link to that as well as the community page that we talk about every single week. Um, on top of that, we are also found on Google play or whatever it's called Google podcast or something like that, uh, as well as on iTunes or Apple podcast or whatever that's called. Now I don't know anymore. Everything's changing all the time. Um, but if you actually want to contact us, you can always email us, send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. And, you know, we'll read them and talk about stuff and respond to you and everything. Um, Or, you know, if you just want to send us questions for a future mailbag episode, we are very happy to take those there. Um, And, of course, we are on Twitter. That's right, DN Discussions or at DN Discussions if you, you know, want to be super specific. Uh, You can tweet us. Ryan and I both have access to that account. We're going to answer it, you know, when we have time or just chat and have fun. And guess what? Hit us up. Believe it or not, we like talking about Dungeons & Dragons. It's true. Yes. Um, Now, Ryan, if people are looking for you specifically, where's the best place they can do that? You can find me on Twitter at TBKZord. Just uh, hit me up. Anything gaming, D&D related, would love to talk to you. Yep. If you're looking for me, you can find me. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. It's how it sounds or just, you know, find the, the link in the profile on DN discussions. You can find me there. Uh, but last but not least, uh, definitely check out our gaming show that we do. It's plus five to hit. It's where we're actually playing as opposed to just, you know, talking about the abstract and building characters and whatnot. Um, now I, we actually did get an email in asking if, uh, you know, what's going on with the show and, uh, well, because of the holidays and stuff like that, we kind of had a little bit of a hiatus, but we have episodes coming back. And um, just that, you know, we've got 
kind of two campaigns running there. Mainly because scheduling is hard when you're an adult. <sighs> Stupid adult schedules. Yeah. But uh, check it out. We still get together. We still have fun. And I got to say, I love the two characters that I play. Yep. I do as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, we never really talked about it. How is your experience coming into the second, uh, your second character? <laughs> it's he. It's actually a dwarf cleric. Yep. <laughs> and he's uh, very impulsive. It's great. I like him. He's a cool yeah. dude. Oh my gosh! Just oh, the newest episode's not even out yet. But if you want to talk about things that just fall apart, that a is super, a great example. <laughs> super falling apart. Exactly. Yeah. So anyways, uh, everybody, make sure to check out plus five to hit. Like I said, we have a lot of fun. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of D and Discussions. Any last words, Ryan? We'll catch you later. Be good to each other. <laughs>